One more. with the invocation. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we ask your guidance, your wisdom, your support as we begin this meeting. We gather here today the intent of doing good work. We want to represent fairly and well those who have given us this task. Please help us engage in a meaningful discussion. Give us clarity and strength to use only our best skills and judgment. Please bless this community, the residents, the businesses and visitors, and help us to continue doing work in your name. Amen. Roll call, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Here. Councilmember KV. I believe Councilmember KV's online. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank yes, you. I'm here. Thank you. Councilmember Bracken. Present. Councilmember Brooks. Present. Councilmember Dietz. Here. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Here. Mayor Gray. Here. All are present. Thank you. Please rise, Pledge of Allegiance. <clears throat> Pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Uh, I'll start with council comments. Uh, not too much going on in, in uh, council comments for my, my end. Uh, I just want to say thanks for everybody coming. I uh, appreciate everyone being here. Um, hopefully we have a great meeting tonight and a, a good start to our new year for our second meeting of the year. Ryan Hollinshead. Uh, no comment tonight, thanks. Laura Cavey. Uh, none for me either, thanks, Mayor. Thank you. Kevin Bracken. Thank you, Mayor. It's a landslide, no comments tonight. <laughs> Max Brooks. Nothing for me tonight, thank you. Tim Dietz. I'll interrupt that landslide. There you go. I just have a public safety matter and this has to do with something we as a council can direct and our town staff can help us implement. Um, public safety ice buildup on the northern side of homes. I have been around town and have noticed a lot of problems. I would like to have our town staff with council's direction here is if we can do a review on how people can get the information how they can come to the town, get that ice broken up, et cetera. Let's make that information a little more available because I know there's a lot of places where elderly and stuff can't chip that up and it's not their fault that water is leaking through the development and grading. So I would like to have us look at that. If that's something you guys can agree on, we can have another conversation sometime. It is a safety issue. Um, I've been out chipping ice with some people and it, it just keeps coming back. So if we can have that looked at in the future, please. Well, Councilman, I'm not sure if we need a vote or not because I know we have um, stuff out there. If you want to do a vote or just want to get information from, from Dan or no, town I mean, staff, I, that'd be great. I think unless there's disagreement with what Councilmember Member said, we'll do exactly what he asked great. is that we'll work on sure. get, getting, getting the information out about um, our ice breaking 
um, activities and, and, and how we respond to that. Dan and his staff can do that in, in coordination with our communications Just, just some updates and some reviews of people. I know people got to let us know they're having that issue too so we can come out and address it. So I think our town staff does a great job, but we also need to make it more accessible. That's it. No, Thank great. You. And if we can do a couple things on social media, maybe have Dan do a three-minute up, update sometime, that'd be great. Thank you. Is that, that good enough, Tim? Thank you. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem, uh, uh, I don't want to give anything away, but I'm really honored to have my people here from the Hospital Governing Board to give us an update this evening. Thank you guys for taking your time to come and speak to us tonight. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for all being here tonight, too, on, on whatever topic is, is touching your heart this evening. Thank you. And with that, we'll bring up Castle Rock Advent Health Cancer Center update. Jeremy? on. There we go. <laughs> Mayor and uh, Council, thank you so much for having us. My name is Marcy Blair. I'm a 27-year Castle Rock resident, but more importantly, I'm a breast cancer survivor. And so I just want to thank you for what you've done to try to help the hospital as we try to bring cancer services to Castle Rock. Um, as many of you know, we don't have cancer care here, and that is something that you don't know until you need it. So after eight rounds of chemo and 37 rounds of radiation outside of our community, I can tell you how critical this is. So I am on the um, non-paid side of the hospital trying to raise the money with a group called Rock of Hope, and we wanted to come and give you an update. And first say thank you for your support because you have given money to help us with that. As you know, we're trying to raise $14 million, and the good news is we have $7.1 right now. And we are, yes, thank you, so happy. Yes, yay, guys, it's a big deal. <laughs> so as Jeremy says, the skis are on the downside of the slope now. And that's just really huge for everybody who lives in our community to be able to not only have this awesome hospital, but to get that last line of care here that we don't have. And I, I hope that you never need it. Um, but if you or somebody you love or someone in your family does, I hope that it's here just in the nick of time. And with that, I will let Jeremy, who's the CEO of the hospital, tell you what we're doing so far with that $7.1 Awesome. Well, thank you, Marcy, for the, the intro. And as she said, we just wanted to come and, and say thank you for your support and just give the general update of where we're at. As, as Marcy alluded to, um, you know, we've raised about $7.5 million towards our $14 million goal. And that's incredibly exciting. So as this community gr has grown and the hospital's grown, we're up to diagnosing about 600 cases of cancer every single year within our the four walls of our hospital. So that's 600 of our Castle Rock residents that have to travel for their cancer care. And our goal all along as a hospital has been to be a comprehensive community-based hospital. And our our goal is to keep that care local. So cancer is really the last space um, that we have to live into in order to accomplish that goal. So with what we've raised to date, um, we'll be able to launch the medical oncology side of, of cancer care. So as you probably are aware, there's really two pieces of cancer care. One is medical oncology, which is really uh, chemotherapies and blood treatment 
treatments and the other is radiation therapy. Um, and so with this money that we've raised, our, for, our goal is to see our first patient in chemotherapy in 2025. So we'll be uh, building out the third floor of our new medical office building in order to launch the medical oncology side of that program. And with what we've done, we're able to do that. So, um, you know, we're, we're, like she said, we're on the, the downhill of, of the, the total campaign. And so moving forward, we're going to move much more into the, the public phase. And so we're going to try to do some different events and fundraisers and some much more public things um, in order to re uh, raise the remainder of that money. Um, so you'll probably see our faces a lot more around town in more of a, a public phase because um, we've been much more in, in the quiet kind of private phase of, of fund fundraising for this. And so our goal is to raise the whole 14 million. And so at this point, we're just trying to just beat our drum and get awareness out of what we're trying to do and, and accomplish. Because um, our goal is to change the face of cancer care in Castle Rock. And so we'll, um, I'm just super excited that we'll be launching the medical oncology side. Like I said, we're going to try to see our first patient in 2025. So we've got to build the space internally and we've got to uh, recruited a couple of physicians to support the program, but we've been dutifully working on the rest of the pieces and building a cancer program over the last year um, since I, I came and saw you guys last and shared that we were going to try to launch this cancer program and we've made a lot of progress. So with that, our only ask tonight is just to help raise awareness in our continued journey of, of raising the money to, to bring cancer care to Castle Rock. So. Just wanted to provide that update and appreciate everybody's time in that. So we're super excited and we're, we're glad we're going to bring cancer care to Castle Rock. Cancer sucks. Spread the love. <laughs> yes. yes, it does. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. One of the things I want to mention, so, um, you know, unfortunately, my wife had cancer in 2019. And, um, and, and one of the things that was a bummer was, as Marcy mentioned, is driving up and down the highway, you know, several thousand miles over over a life of a few years. Yep. Um, the good thing is, just recently, um, my it's a good thing, my sister-in-law got diagnosed with ovarian and stomach cancer um, in in December in, in Castle Rock. Um, but it was nice that they got got a hold of it early. Um, Castle Rock was able to to get get, the, get her up to Porter Hospital right away. Um, unfortunately, again, it's in Porter Hospital. And one of the things I get, you know, upset about here and there is when somebody says, gosh, you know, that Castle Rock's growing so much, I'd like to slow down. And I said, gosh, if we'd just speed up a little bit, we would have had cancer stuff for my wife and for my sister-in-law already. Um, and so, and I think that that's, sometimes we, we, we get a, a little upset with how, how fast we're growing, but if we were a self-sustaining community that had a hospital from top to bottom, and which we're gonna have in a few years, um, but if we already had it, that you wouldn't have to have somebody go all the way up to Porter Hospital or all the way into Denver or Lone Tree even um, several times a week or several times a month, depending on, the, on what's going on. So I do appreciate the growth of, of uh, Adventist uh, Hospital and their hard work, and um, I, do, I do hope that we can avoid having to go up north in the future or south in the future for, for cancer treatment. So thank you very much. Uh, Desi LaFleur. I just want to extend the gratitude to the private donors that have gotten us to to the donation amount that we are today. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, we've been blown away about the support this community's provided. So we have an amazing community that wants to wants this to happen for our community. Thank you, guys. And tell everybody you know, if you have any ideas or questions, 
you can find me. I'm Marcy. She knows how to get a hold of me. Thank <laughs> <That's> you. <right. laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. With that, I'd like to do a proclamation recognizing Tammy Denhart and uh, Matt Retmer as Keepers of the Star. First, Keeper of the Star, Tammy Denhart. Whereas the 40-foot-tall and wide star was built in Castle Rock in 1936 by members of the Castle Rock Volunteer Fire Department as an enduring symbol of hope and, and perseverance, and whereas the star has been maintained by members of the Castle Rock Volunteer Fire Department in Castle Rock, Fire and Rescue Department for 87 years, and whereas preparing the star for illumination is not an easy feat, it requires volunteers to don safety equipment, climb the star, make needed repairs, and replace light bulbs, work on precarious as the star sways, and even in good weather, and a portion of the frame hangs over the rock, and whereas volunteers also check the frequently lit while lit to make sure it is all the bulbs are working, and whereas volunteers take great pride in ensuring the iconic star continues to shine over Castle Rock as a reminder to the past and a great source of pride for the community, and whereas Tammy Denhart has served as both volunteer and career firefighter for the Castle Rock, and whereas Tammy begins volunteering to be, be, help maintain the star in 1989, continue to do so without leaving the fire department, and whereas Tammy Tammy often stayed with the star throughout the day, the starlight to ensure that no one has tampered with the star and has turned on seamlessly with a flip of the switch. And whereas Tammy has spent an untold number of hours maintaining the star season for more than th the star each season for more than three and a half decades, and has served as a primary coordinator for the star team for all things related to the star. And whereas Tammy is retiring from the position as star team at the end of the season now, therefore, Town Council of Castle Rock does by proclaim Tammy Denhart as the keeper of the star now and for all time. We thank Tammy for her 35 years of dedicated service, ensuring the history and tradition of the star has been maintained as a vital part of a community past approved and adopted this day, 16 of January 2024, by the Town Council of Castle Rock, Colorado. And with that, we have one more. Keeper of the star, Matt Retmer. Whereas a 40-foot tall star, wide star, has been built on Castle Rock in, in 1936 by members of the Castle Rock Fire Department, as well as an enduring symbol of hope and perseverance. And whereas the star has been maintained by members of the Castle Rock Fire, Volunteer Fire Department and Castle Rock Fire Department Rescue Department for 87 years. And whereas the preparing for the star for illumination is no easy feat, it requires... Volunteers to don safety equipment and climb the star to make needed repairs and replace light bulbs. This work is precarious and in star sways and even in good weather and a portion of the frame hangs over the castle rock. And whereas volunteers also check the star frequently for lit while lit to make sure that all bulbs are working, and whereas volunteers take great pride in ensuring an iconic star continues to shine over Castle Rock as a reminder of the past, is a great source of pride for the community. And whereas Matt Remmer 
Bettmer has served as a career firefighter for Castle Rock and whereas Matt began volunteering for the fire department to maintain a star in 1998 and continued to do so even after leaving the fire department. Whereas Matt has spent an untold number of hours maintaining the star in each season since 1998 and whereas Matt is retiring from the star team at the end of the season, now therefore town, town council, the town of Castle Rock, does hereby proclaim Matt Rettmer as the keeper of the star now and all time. We thank Matt for his 26 years of dedicated service for ensuring the history and tradition of the star has been maintained as a vital part of our community. Passed, approved, and adopted the 16th day of January 2024 by Town Council, Town of Castle Rock, Colorado. Thank you guys, and thanks for everybody who helps out with the star. This time is reserved for members of the public to make a presentation to council on items or issues that are not on a scheduled agenda. As a general practice, council will not discuss or debate these items, nor will council make any decisions on these items during this time. Rather, they will refer to town staff for follow-up. Comments are limited to three minutes per speaker. Time is allowed a third minutes total. Residents will be given the given in priority the order they signed up, followed by non-residents, representing town of Castle Rock businesses, then non-residents, and then businesses outside town of Castle Rock. Council is accepting public comments written, submitted written online at crgov.com backslash council comments by 1 p.m. today to be included into the public report. I have one person signed up um, who is not uh, for, for unscheduled comments. When I call your name, please approach the podium and speak in the microphone. Online users may use the raise your hand feature and phone and call us for star three and please state your name. Whether you're a resident, non-resident, or business owner, you have three minutes to speak. Rachel Pullman online. Looks like nobody online. Just want to make sure before I move forward. Okay. Uh, I got one person online. I'm waiting to speak for the Bison Cell Tower. Oh, it's not till later. Okay, thank you. Moving on to the town manager's report. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Just uh, a few calendar reminders. That's all we're going to do under the manager's report this evening. Shannon's going to bring that up. Okay, just go ahead and pants. Give me two. Okay. Uh, stop. Okay, go ahead. 
you all have been invited and hopefully have had an opportunity to send your RSVPs in for uh, this coming uh, Saturday for the annual awards banquet, Fire and Rescue Department. Uh, it's a great event. Um, hope you all are able to come. Um, also there in February is the, the Chamber's annual uh, uh, gala uh, there as well. And you um, have those invitations. You see the council uh, meeting schedule and then also the President's Day holiday there um, in, in the middle part of February. The next slide just hits a, a few um, uh, neighborhood meetings that we've got coming up. Uh, the Wellspring, you all are familiar with the fact that they are um, proceeding with a, a facility there at the old La Quinta Inn. This is a separate request from Wellspring where they are seeking to annex and zone property out on Wolfensburger Road uh, between the, the, the Roundabout and um, Auburn uh, Red Hawk. And so they're having their second meeting on January the 18th. And then there is uh, another neighborhood meeting for the T-Mobile proposal at Butterfield Park, and that's on January the, the, the 23rd. Um, and then we've also got um, a, a, a tentative meeting where the uh, Wellspring uh, facility at uh, the La Quinta site is also talking about um, converting the existing quality in um, in for another uh, facility of, of similar use. And that, that meeting, I believe, is still scheduled as tentative. And then on the next slide, we just got a couple of town um, meetings where the Parks and Recreation Department is hosting the Winter Ball on February the 3rd. It's a great family event. And then um, here on, um, uh, I don't know what date that is. I'm sorry? Got it. Um, I didn't think we scheduled that th things that far out. So um, 2029. So there uh, we've got three days in February where uh, the Parks Recreation Department is having an open house for citizens that are interested in a volunteer opportunity that helps with the Bluebird, Bluebird project. So that's all I've got. This evening, um, commend the rest of the manager's report to your reading. Any questions for David or staff? Thank you. Moving on to town attorney support. Uh, no report tonight, Mayor. Thank you. Moving on to the acceptance of the agenda. There are no changes, additions, or deletions to the agenda. A motion to accept the agenda as presented will be accepted. So moved. Second. I have a first by Councilmember Bracken, a second by Councilmember Hollingshead. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pacham LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Moving on to consent calendar. These items are generally routine in nature and have been previously reviewed by town council and will be voted on in a single motion without discussion. Any member of town council may remove an item from the consent calendar. Number seven, resolution 2024-5, resolution approving services agreement between the town of Castle Rock and Mueller Engineering Inc. for the McMurdo Gulch Stream Reclamation Prior uh, Priority 3 Supplemental Design 
and Construction and Post-Construction Services. Number eight, Resolution 2024-6, Resolution waiving the formal written bidding requirement on basis of sole source and approving equipment for services acquisition agreement for Colorado Turf and Carl Golf and Turf Inc. for acquisition for the golf course equipment. And number nine, minutes of 2024-2, minutes January 2nd, 2024, town council meeting. I will accept the motion. So moved. Second. I have a first by Councilmember Bracken, second by Councilmember Hollingshead. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Deeds. Yes. Mayor Pertem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Aye. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Moving on to public public hearings and discussion action items. Public comment will be taken on items limited to four minutes per speaker. Co comment. Council will also accept comments submitted online written at crgov.com backslash council comments by 1 p.m. today to be included in public record. Number 10, resolution 2024-7, resolution approving the property sales lease between the town of Castle Rock and T-Mobile um, West LLC for wireless communication tower in Bison Park. Jeff. Mayor and Town Council, thanks for hearing this uh, item tonight. Um, we're here with Parks and Recreation because this is uh, a proposed lease within uh, Bison Park here by T-Mobile. So a little background on this project. Um, we are, uh, T-Mobile is looking to place a wireless communication facility at Bison Park. Um, the project would include the construction of a core and shell bathroom facility with a cupola to house the wireless communication equipment. If you're wondering about the core and shell bathroom facility, what that is is basically the walls, floors, roof structure. Um, the Parks and Recreation Department would be responsible for the finishes inside of that. So T-Mobile would be providing um, all the core and shell for that facility. So just to give you an idea of where this site is located, um, we're showing here in kind of the teal color, um, which is directly uh, south of Clear Sky Elementary. Uh, that is Foothills to the north of the school. That is Clear Sky Way uh, to the west. It is uh, Starry Night on the east, and it is bounded by Hourglass on the south side. Um, this basically shows the outline of uh, Bison Park here in Castle Rock. So the proposed facility location within Bison Park by T-Mobile, um, what we've done is we've placed a red dot um, on this particular map that shows the location of this facility. Um, we've given you distances to those property lines or right-of-ways that we previously identified. As you can see in here, the uh, closest um, dimension is 86 feet, and that is to Clear Sky Way uh, from this facility. The greatest distance is 859 feet, and that is from the facility to Starry Night Way. So that uh, basically shows you uh, where that facility is located within the park site. So as part of uh, this, this uh, proposed lease, uh, T-Mobile would design this facility for the town of Castle Rock and for the cellular facility. Um, this is, this kind of reflects, some of the architecture reflects on some of the existing uh, pavilions within the park. Um, this is shown as a CMU or concrete masonry unit uh, facility um, roof and then kind of the shed roof style on the, the cellular tower.
So let's talk a little bit about the lease agreement and the terms that were discussed with T-Mobile. So T-Mobile would design and construct the public restroom facility at their expense. They'll make it compatible with the existing park site, including color materials, roof lines, and the architectural design. This would take up about 450 square feet to house their wireless communication equipment. And the equipment would be housed inside the cupola so it would not be uh, visible to the neighborhood. This particular facility has a maximum height of 35 feet. It would be seen throughout the park. Um, the height of the facility may not be modified without the town approval. Um, the town would have no obligation to repair or to replace any property owned by T-Mobile. Upon completion of the restroom facility, its ownership would be transferred to the town and the town would become responsible for the future operations and maintenance. A little bit more about the lease agreement. Um, they would have the opportunity for ingress and egress for all their uh, supplies and materials and for all their equipment needed um, for the operation of this facility. They would have a easement that would provide them that opportunity. The lease would commence upon the completion of the facility's construction after an additional term of five years, for an initial term of five years. Following that, T-Mobile would have the right to extend the terms of their lease for four additional five-year terms. So let me go back for just a little bit. The rent would be waived during the first five-year term of this property lease due to them funding the restroom facilities construction and the ownership transfer. So you're asking, okay, how much is this lease? What does that amount to? At the conclusion of that first five-year term, the monthly rent for the first year of the renewal term would be 3,500 monthly. And for each subsequent year, the rent would increase 3% annually. So what notification and outreach efforts were provided as part of this negotiation with T-Mobile? T-Mobile held three neighborhood meetings as required by the municipal code. Those are identified there on that slide in December, March, and November. Uh, general questions on alternate locations were discussed. Um, some concerns regarding cell towers were discussed. Uh, neighborhood and some neighbors um, who attended the meeting also voiced strong concern regarding the potential decrease in property values adjacent to the proposed facility. Given the number of views by nearby property owners, council may want to consider the compatibility of this structure in the neighborhood. That is open for town council discussion and appropriate for you to do so. To weigh the benefits to park users, the park system, the benefits through the park system through lease payments and phone users versus the concerns of compatibility. So those are the things that are kind of before you tonight as you consider this lease arrangement. So let's talk a little bit about the pros and cons. T-Mobile customers received improved coverage and 5G. There'll be a new restroom facility installed by park users, and that restroom was actually part of the master plan 
um, for this particular park and it's already stubbed out for utilities in this location. The revenue generated from this lease agreement will be available for capital construction projects for the Town of Castle Rock Parks and Recreation Department. We will have improved emergency services for cellular service and access. Some of the cons that you may want to discuss is the neighborhood compatibility, the concerns of residents and homeowners regarding the facility and the potential decrease to their property values. We've indicated to you the distance to the nearest home, so you may want to take a look at the proximity to the homes. And you may want to consider the aesthetic or visual appeal of this particular facility adjacent to the neighborhood. You have two possible motions before you. Moving to approve the resolution is introduced by title. Moving to deny the resolution is introduced by title. That completes my presentation. Available for any questions that council may have for me in regards to this item. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Um, any questions for Jeff before we move on to public comment? Max Brooks. You know, you had mentioned that the uh, the restroom is part of the master plan. Uh, what what would that look like if not for as far as completion of that construction, completion of that, if not for timeline, if not for this? We don't have it on our capital schedule at this point in time. Um, that would be something that we would put in our three to five year CIP. So it's not there at this point in time. Thank you. Any more questions for Jeff or staff? Seeing none, um, I will now open this up to the public. I have a few people who are assigned to speak. I have a Gianna. I'm not going to attempt your last name. Sites. Sites? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Hello, Town Council. My name is Jonna Seitz. I live next door to the home that you saw the red arrow pointing directly to a mere 86 feet away. For a host of reasons, I kindly request that you follow the recommendation of the Planning Commission who voted to recommend to deny this proposal. And I, and I ask that you all please deny this proposal. One of the primary reasons we purchased our home was because of the beautiful views of the surrounding buttes. I ask you to please imagine if my home were your own home and if T-Mobile came in and proposed to plant a 35-foot structure a mere stones throw away from your home, obstructing your views and subsequently negatively impacting the value of your home. How would you feel? One of the criteria that the Planning Commission was being asked to consider was the compatibility of the surrounding elevation. I wish you could see the beautiful views that my neighbors and I enjoy from our neighborhood. Those would absolutely be ruined with a structure standing 35 feet tall were it to be dropped in front of our homes. T-Mobile stated at the Planning Commission meeting that one of the reasons they did not propose placing the tower near the water towers on the nearby buttes is because they would have to submit for a zoning request because there are ordinances against breaking up the skyline. However, breaking up the skyline is exactly what this tower will do in the place it's being proposed. Had T-Mobile really been considering how this would impact our community, neighboring homes, and our skylines, perhaps they would have considered proposing this structure be placed in the middle of the park, where the sheer size of it would not tower over the home's eight 
80 feet away. When you're talking about a three-story structure, 80 feet feels like five feet. Truly, it feels like T-Mobile is trying to place this tower on my front yard. I want to be clear, I don't believe this tower should be placed in Bison Park at all for a host of reasons. But the lack of consideration for details like this screams of an overall lack of respect and consideration how this tower will negatively impact the nearby homes. At the Planning Commission meeting, Commissioner Martinez asked about alternative locations considered. I'd like to point out that at the second neighborhood meeting, our community suggested a few locations, and some of those were never considered. One community member suggested the Grange, which would provide a much larger setback to neighboring homes, would be inside of the bowl that T-Mobile needs to service, would be in an area where there is already a three-story structure, so the elevation would match something that, that already exists and would not break up coveted views. At the third neighborhood meeting, when the question was posed, to T-Mobile as to why the Grange was not considered in the places that they had looked at. We were told that they were not sure why that location was not considered. Um, excuse me. I would also like to just remind everyone, I don't know that I heard it before, but the Planning Commission did recommend a denial to this. One of the reasons that I heard from those commissioners is that this was a single-use tower, not a shared tower. And so if we're going to do a big project like this, you may as well try and get you know multiple providers to be able to use that. And then finally, I'm aware that legally you cannot deny this tower based on concerns for health and RF radiation. However, I would like to just state that those concerns are huge for those of us that live in close proximity to this proposed tower. This is being proposed to be put in a park adjacent to a school and a mere 86 feet from homes. I have three children and we love our home and we love our community. We love all of the kids in our neighborhood. We want to keep them safe. If your child was slated to live 86 feet from a tower that stands 35 feet tall with all of the conflicting data surrounding RF radiation that exists out there, would you be okay with that? I would not. I love my kids too much to take that risk. And so I would force to be considered, I would have to move, excuse me. And who will buy my home when it's slated to be sitting right next to an 80, or sorry, 86 feet from a 35 foot tower? How will I be recouped for the loss of value and the loss that cannot be recouped? Our family all lives out of state. Our neighbors are our family here. They are who we call in emergencies and who we celebrate happy occasions with. So please do not make us sell our home, take the loss, and lose the only family that we have here. I beg you to please deny this proposal. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Next, I have Chris Talmadge. Hi, I'm, hi, I'm Chris Talmadge. I'm a resident of Castle Rock. I live right across the street from Bison Park. I live next door to the closest house to where this structure is being proposed. Um, 134 feet to the closest house is ridiculous, less than 140 feet from my house. That is right across the street where a house would be built in a normal subdivision. If you looked on the map, you're familiar with Bison Park, this is where the porta parties are. It's on the edge of the park, right in front of our houses. At three stories, it'll block our views, as Jonna said, and the distance is um, ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, nothing like this exists in Castle Rock. All our cell towers are in commercial areas, industrial areas, open spaces, and they are tall. Um, this is very unusual, this type of structure, and I'd hate to see this in all of our parks, and especially our Bison Park. It's also unusual per the FCC website, and one of the links provided by T-Mobile, there's a Q&A 
on the FCC.gov that talks about typical heights for a freestanding base station or towers are typically 50 to 200 feet in height. In the schematic provided by T-Mobile for this, the actual antennas are 23 feet above the ground. It's not at the top of the structure, it's kind of in the middle. Since it sits a little below clear sky, a couple of feet below clear sky, my house is a little bit above clear sky, those antenna arrays are pointed directly at my house, John's house, the house next door, all the houses along clear sky and adjacent. That would be clearly a concern for anyone looking to purchase our houses and a concern for anyone living in our houses, which I couldn't imagine living in that kind of situation. Also on that same Q&A on FCC website, it talks about RF emissions are directed toward the horizon and they, it states, quote, there is higher exposure at the same height and directly in front of an antenna. That would also concern anyone looking at our houses. As you've seen in the doc, uh, documents people have sent, um, property values do decline and that's usually for tall structures, even where the RF waves are going above the houses. These are gonna be right in the face, blocking views. I think, you know, we've seen the studies with 7.6% being within 500 feet, 20% being near it, 10% invisible range, while this is all those and more ridiculous. Also, as aesthetics go, if you look at the schematic diagram, not the picture with the artist rendering that looks all pretty, um, the west side of the building in the schematic faces clear sky in all our houses. There are three utility panels that we'd have to look at, two electric meters. There's an, an, an industrial looking equipment room door that would be facing our houses. And also the AC unit sticking out from the south side on the corner, we'd also have to see. So there's no, this, this isn't blending in nicely to our beautiful park where there's pavilions. Even the porta potties are hidden because they're nicely in the little structure and they sit down low. Um, this is an eyesore. I wholeheartedly agree with the Planning Commission's recommendation. My favorite quotes from them were the distance from homes is absurd and inadequate. Um, there are other sites in, uh, that are more harmonious with greater buffer to homes. The applicant needs to be sensitive to the quote unquote where and rezoning is hard but doable, they were told at that meeting. So please vote no. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next I have Eric Seitz. Good evening, my name is Eric Seitz and I'm a resident and reside on Clear Sky Way. To the members of the council tonight, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. Today I stand before you express my deep concerns about the proposed construction by T-Mobile and UCI and urge you to deny the building request. The planning commission voted against this resolution and I urge you to do the same. I'm here because I live directly across the street from the proposed structure. 
This room is about 60 feet, so add 20 feet and put a three-story structure on the other end of that. That's what we're looking at. I want to draw your attention to the profound <coughs> aesthetic and community impact of this structure would have. Envision a 35-foot high building, a mere 86 feet from my property line. It's not a structure, it's a monstrosity that would shatter the majestic views our community prides itself on. This isn't about one building, it's about preserving the character and beauty of our neighborhood. The financial implications cannot be overstated. A property value analysis clearly indicates a significant decline in our property values. Imagine the long-term effects of having a commercial-sized building right in the center of a neighborhood like ours. This is not a theoretical loss. It's a tangible financial hit to every homeowner in the vicinity, and especially me and my direct neighbors. <clears throat> this structure is the closest structure to my house in that park. So, we have a three-story building closest to the street that is directly in front of my house, If should this go through. Let's also consider the public safety concerns. Our current facilities already attract transient visitors posing safety and sanitation issues. The construction could exacerbate th these problems, creating a hotspot for activities that we as a community are trying to mitigate. I see them frequently. Moreover, the choice of location by T-Mobile and UCI seems to be a path of least resistance rather than a well-considered decision. Despite having a large uh, map at their disposal, they failed to even consider alternative sites that wouldn't disrupt the community's fabric. I reached out to the Meadows HOA president. The Meadows owns the Grange. And he, he clearly stated that no one has reached out about that. This is 3,500 feet from the, the bowl that we were assessing at the, uh, the last meeting. Um, and he said they would be more than interested to have a conversation for a structure like this. <clears throat> the voice of our community has been loud and clear. The overwhelming opposition from the Planning Commission, coupled with a significant ratio of 113 to 10 in community opposition of this needs to be understood and <clears throat> acted upon. There were written submissions, emails, and this speaks volumes. The, the folks behind me that were pr uh, proposing this hired a, uh, a group of people to go around and hand out flyers that, that spoke about some of the pros that you heard about earlier. The interesting thing is they never mentioned T-Mobile and on that flyer, it did state it would help your cell service. It did not mention T-Mobile. So if you have another carrier, like was stated earlier, it would not help your cell service. So there were some very interesting tactics being used by the folks to persuade residents um, to chime in on this. In closing, I urge this I urge the council to consider these points with the gravity they deserve. This is not merely a decision about a building. It's about a future in our commu community and the preservation of our home's value and the safety and aesthetics of the neighborhood. We rely on you, our elective representatives, to make the decisions that reflect the best interests of the community that you serve. Let's stand together in opposition to this proposal and uphold the values and beauties of our beloved neighborhood. Thank you for your time and consideration. Thank you, Eric. Next, I have Jen Jennifer B. Good evening. My name is Jennifer Prezicha, and I am a resident of Castle Rock, and I live within a thousand feet of Bison Park and the Meadows. 
Before I talk about the T-Mobile 5G Tower, I want to thank the town council for the work you do, especially since I know you've received a lot of emails and comments from the Meadows residents on this topic. I also want to thank Dina Paulson, this town planner, who did a wonderful job of being a neutral party and answering all of the questions I sent to her repeatedly on a variety of topics. She was really great, and I want you all to know that. Um, Dina at the Planning Commission happened to mention that 78 families had contacted you about their opposition and only 10 in support of that. And those 10, by the way, were, again, as Eric mentioned, after T-Mobile came door to door because we had been so loud that we did not want this. There was 102 pages of community comments that were included in tonight's agenda. That's a lot of community members. As a mother of three small children, I want you to know that I oppose the T-Mobile uh, Tower at Bison Park due to the placement of a macro cell tower in a residential neighborhood and the impact on our home values, whether actual or perceived. As there are town open spaces surrounding the park that the town council could choose to make available to T-Mobile for a tower for the community, there are other options than Bison Park. I ask the town council to accept the recommendation of the planning commission and deny this request. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. Next I have, I believe, Ryan. Ready? Yep. Hi, good evening. Uh, thank you for taking the time on this and uh, thank you for actually paying attention to the speakers. Uh, I was noticing that I've seen a lot of these on YouTube and usually they're just on their phones and stuff. So thank you for actually paying attention to everyone. Um, this is near and dear to me because I take my daughter, uh, my two-year-old daughter to the park all the time, Bison Park. So it's a great park in a great city. Um, and I'm just really worried about going there playing and just being playing next to a 5G tower. It really concerns me for her health especially. Um, and, and I'm sure everyone wants better reception, um, but we don't need to put it in like a high activity place like this. Um, a simple Google search in CBS News, you know, this isn't like fringe, uh, main, you know, fringe media. Just type in 5G, tower lawsuit firefighters there's like going around the country like firefighters are moving 5g towers they would put them in the station they have this cluster of health issues they have good lobbyists so they move the tower um i don't know the lobbyist situation for bison park but i'm here to help get the towers away um you can do the same thing google search cbs news uh 5g tower lawsuit schools like they started putting them next to schools a lot as well and there's like cancer clusters and schools again this isn't like info wars this is cbs news um this is like a concern um you know like i said i got a daughter another kid coming on the way like i don't want every park i go to every school they go to to just be blasted by this stuff it's Anyway, I don't need to take up the whole time. That's just, just wanted to raise my concern on that. And like I said, this isn't fringe stuff. A simple Google search, you can find all of these lawsuits across the country happening on this exact issue. Thank you. Thank you. I have no one signed to speak. If someone wishes to speak, uh, actually, uh, please approach the podium. If, if not, with like the people online, 
uh, raise your hand and, and uh, please uh, uh, phone in caller, phone in callers, press star three. Yes, one patient online. Go ahead, Shannon. One person online. My name is Chad. I'll speak if uh, I'm allowed. Yes, Chad, go ahead, please. So my name is Chad. I've been to the previous meetings, uh, seen T-Mobile try to uh, uh, push this huge structure uh, about five houses down from where the center of it is 86 feet from the street. Uh, I want to voice my concerns and my appreciation for my fellow neighbors there that are expressing perfect concerns with well-written uh, reports there. I don't have anything as fancy. I just have a couple points to leave with you guys tonight. Uh, if this tower goes in, myself along with uh, many other residents will be selling their homes at a loss because they do not want this structure in that area. Uh, I have a seven-year-old who we moved here for to be right across the street from the school. He's going to be sad when I tell him we have to move and wifey's going to be sad when she has to lose 10% of house value. Um, so for me, it's a lose-lose, and for all my neighbors there and their concerns with the safety of the children, the safety concerns are valid. Whether or not you're able to consider them in your decision, uh, I understand your reasons for not being able to do that. One thing that I haven't heard anything of is the uh, parks and recs. Um, uh, if they have any budget information about what this would cost them, uh, was revealed earlier what the actual lease terms would be. I think that's the first time we've heard that. And if they're saying for five years they're uh, operating that place without any revenue and giving it to T-Mobile for free because we have bathrooms, I can guarantee every resident who's not a T-Mobile customer in that facility would rather wait the three to five years and figure out a way to tax even the close residents to that location, I'm sure we would all be happy to pay for a new bathroom if that's the way we decide to go. Um, I also wanna reiterate that a lot of the uh, T-Mobile had submitted some FCC reports um, showing that this was safe. Those reports are from 1996, that's 29 years ago, or maybe 27. Um, there is no new FCC reporting on the safety of this because the government has been shutting down any reports that come from it. So there is no accurate data for us to go off on the side of safety. Um, I would like to express my agreeance with the Planning Commission. Uh, I heard that the majority of them said that this was not the right location for this and other locations should be considered. Um, there's no budgeting for this. If we assume there's $500 a week in maintenance, that's $2,000 a month, $25,000 a year, uh, $125,000 over the course of the next five years. I wonder if Parks and Rec has figured out where that money is going to come from. That $125,000 maintain that facility could be raised by some sort of Castle Rock tax, pennies on the dollar, brand new bathrooms. We don't want the tower. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Chad. Seeing no one else online, we'll bring that to town council for, for discussion and a motion. Oh, oh, we have two more. Sorry, Shannon. Okay, you're good. Hi, 
I'm not sure if I'm able to talk right now, but I was just unmuted. Uh, my name is Jennifer Amami. I live on Clear Skyway. I am in one of the four closest homes affected by this tower. Um, my neighbors have done an incredible job of explaining all of our concerns, so I don't have too much to add. Um, but I do want to say I'm a Colorado native. We have lived in, in Castle Rock for over 20 years. We built our home new here almost 10 years ago with the primary purpose for purchasing our lot with the beautiful view of not only Bison Park, but a clear view of Clear Sky Elementary. We have three children um, that have gone and are going through Clear Sky, and we have loved being able to give them a little bit of freedom while ensuring their safety, watching them walk to and from school from our front porch and driveway. Um, this three-story tower will completely block that view and will no longer be able to give them that freedom while watching them. Um, we love our neighborhood, we love Castle Rock, we love the meadows, we love our neighbors, but this is just the wrong decision in the wrong place, and I really, really urge you to vote no and look at other options for the location of a T-Mobile cell tower. Thank you to all my neighbors that did a really good job preparing for this. Thank you very much. Shannon, you said one more? just want to also share my concerns about the cell tower. I am on Marblehead, the very first house just off of Clear Sky, so I think I'm 100 feet, 150 feet maybe away from where this cell tower will be built. And again, my neighbors are my family, just as Jonah said. She's a great friend of mine. I know Jenny. I this tower is going to cause so many issues. There's the health concerns, there's the beauty concerns. There are so many other places that a cell tower like this could be built and building it in a park that is so heavily focused on community and the school, everything. I just don't see where the rationale comes from. Also, my husband and I were just chatting about this when um, we were talking about the lease. What happens if T-Mobile decides they don't want to lease that, like continue on with the rental? We're just stuck with the three-story building. I'm all for us having a restroom at some point that is one story tall that will go into the aesthetics of the park, but a three-story building in the middle of a park does not fit in with the aesthetics of the park with our property. Um, I just, I just am so against this. I can't understand why it would be proposed in a park where kids play, where a school is. I just, I urge you to vote no on this. Um, again, my neighbors have said so many great things, but I just, I just urge you to vote no. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll now bring it back to town council. Well, we Absolutely, go ahead. Hello everyone, my name is Kenneth Trujillo. I'm with UCI2 and here with T-Mobile. Uh, I am the applicant for this. Uh, we did want to mention this This was not a one-sided uh, decision of where this was located at. Um, we originally met with the town of Castle Rock to figure out where the zoning code would allow in this planned unit development. This is a highly residential area with no commercial 
or industrial options as well as restricted skylines that prevent towers from being placed at areas that we would normally go to first, such as on the ridge line or on water towers or something of that manner. Um, this was, uh, we've been working closely with, with planning as well as the town on this lease for years. And so we had reached out to them, where, where would we be able to provide our coverage needs in that bowl, the uh, geographic bowl within Bison? And uh, we were led to this location, both by the zoning code, by the planning commission, and working with the town of Cross Rocks um, uh, manager, as well as the plan, uh, the uh, parks. Uh, if the council does determine this is not a good fit, we want to continue to work with everyone to determine what the best fit is. Uh, we want to provide coverage to the neighborhood. If this is not the right location, we still want to be able to, to reach out to you guys and find a good faith location that fits everybody's needs. Um, some of the alternate locations that were brought up tonight, uh, one of them is the Grange. Uh, the Grange is, is substantially lower, uh, but it's not, it's just not as good as Bison, but it still remains an option to us as well as uh, some other ones. It would just take some cooperation with the town as well as some of the zoning codes to be amended to allow such things. Uh, another one that was brought up in the past was Paintbrush Park. That would be pretty much the same thing, just at a different park with different houses around it. Um, uh, there were some people bringing up uh, the um, uh, uh, some of the people that went door to door in regards to uh, us trying to gather information on support and who was for this, who was against it, or who had no opinion. Um, for what it's worth, when we were meeting with people, about a third of the people were against uh, the uh, the tower. A third was in favor, and a third did not know about the proposal. That's what we found just with meeting people in the streets. Despite what occurs at the, at the close of this meeting, we are thankful for everyone's engagement, to include the people that have spoken against it and everybody that's uh, presented today. Uh, we, d we do want to uh, stay engaged. We want to make sure that we can provide coverage to this area, regardless of this decision today. Uh, but we just want to make sure we're doing it in a way that meets your guys' needs. And just as we have in the past, we'd like to meet with you, like we did with, with, with this particular park, come up with a plan that we can agree to that meets your zoning codes and continues to be a, a, a provider of internet and wireless services to the community. And so um, on that, I'd like to end uh, just in, in my closing statements. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Seeing that, we'll bring back to town council for further discussion and a vote. Oh, Desi, sorry. Desi, the floor. And then Ryan. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to uh, voice their concerns on the matter. And I'd like to thank staff for their time. I know there's a lot that goes into it to get a project to this point. Um, however, with the strong opposition, I move to deny the resolution as introduced by title. Ryan Hollinshead. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that and then I can speak. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I think it, you know that part of Castle Rock is a unique spot and we have a few geographic regions like that that we're going to have to look for solutions uh, moving forward and so I uh, know a lot of people spend a lot of time on this project um, and so maybe there's a, a step somewhere in between that we can even do some other community outreach before it goes too far um, into the planning process to try to just figure out what, what that is and um, there, there's got to be some kind of solution or compromise somewhere um, but this this one unfortunately um, I think the community has spoken very clearly on, on the feelings of this so Thanks. Thank you. Councilmember Bracken and Councilmember Dietz. Sure. Thank you, Mayor. Yeah, 
Let me turn on my Thank you, Mayor. The uh, this subject's very interesting, especially if you have a, a, a little longer uh, timeline to re, to review what's been discussed on council. So the, the mayor and I will know um, that you know, there was a community leader, Gary Godfrey, who'd, who'd passed away, who was actually plotting uh, himself to plead a case out in Crystal Valley to be able to get a cell tower out that way to be able to help all the residents there and and, and we were getting emails really consistently um, and they were kind of holding us accountable to bringing cell service to those residents from a safety issue and now we're on the other side of the of the coin with the with the safety issue of being too close so um, th this is certainly a, a an inter interesting topic from the time that I've been on council and even prior to that so uh, it's it's the it's the other end of the other end of the spectrum um, both points are extremely valid but we uh, as you may or may not know we don't profit from it and we don't participate in it in a in a given way as a town we provide the service and or we don't provide the service we provide the access um, but you know the, the points that have been made on this issue in particular um, very valid I think um, and point well taken and I I'm I'm on the denial side of course with the uh, with everything I've heard um, and I just wish uh, our friend Gary was was here to hear this conversation uh, from the other side of the perspective. Um, so uh, th that's where I'm at. But I just wanted to add a little bit of color that it's not just it's not just one-sided. It's not uh, the big bad T-Mobiles um, coming in to everywhere and anywhere because I'll guarantee you um, out east that they would they would love to have T-Mobile out that way um, and and any other cell tower. So those are my comments, Mayor. Thank you. Councilmember Dietz, followed by Councilmember Brooks. Thank you, Mayor. A um, couple of things is I, similarly where I lived over in Crystal Valley, there was a plot of land where come and go wanted to come in. Now, it was not zoned for gas, but they tried to have it rezoned. And this was when I was just running to become a council member. And people spoke pretty loudly over there, and I was really one of them. It wasn't that we don't think come and, come and go is a wonderful store. Wonderful, it just it was not the right place. I do think we need cell towers. We need to do something about improving coverage, but where is the right place? I think the applicant said he's more than willing to work with the town, but I also think council, we have some work to do about maybe changing up some zoning around town to make it, this is where you are going to do it, or do better community involvement and etc. But I was a big part of that gas station thing. And again, I think some of you said transient and stuff, stuff like that, but we need cell towers. Also, I really believe there is a safety issue too. I think T-Mobile is a good company and I think if their applicants willing to work with us, let's do this, but council, staff, if you could, we could also work something into a future conversation where we, we change some zoning on these things. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Brooks. Yeah, good, uh, good comments because I appreciate the applicant's work on this and the town staff's work on this and I appreciate the willingness of the applicant to be looking at some other places which I'm sure you've been able to read the tea leaves by now. That's I think what's, uh, what's going to have to happen, right? Um, you know, we, if you, you know, I invite you 
to do so, watch some town council meetings or planning commission meetings. Uh, we very often hear land use cases where there'll be some folks that were told that an area is open space and nothing will ever be built there. However, open space is generally entitled already and there will be something built there. And we don't have the ability to say, no, you can't build there. This is entirely different because it's a public park. I believe that there is a reasonable expectation when you move into a home across the street from the park, you're not going to think that there's going to be a home built across the street from you. It's a reasonable expectation. Um, and, and, and because of that, I don't believe that this is the right fit. Uh, and again, I appreciate the willingness of the applicant to go back to town staff and town staff work with you to figure out what the right place is. Um, but I'm with the rest of council here and, and feel like this is something we should deny at this point. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Brooks. Councilmember Cavey. Uh, yes, thank you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, ma'am, go ahead. Um, I would like to echo the sentiments of the rest of the council. Um, somebody that actually works for Verizon, <laughs> and I understand very clearly the need for communication, but I also understand the need of these particular residents not wanting a cell tower next to their homes. So it's a balancing act, right? And I think as um, we go forward with more of these proposals, we need to look um, more into where they're gonna go um, and be more cognizant of the residents. Um, one item to note is that when you're talking about cell towers that are in HOA communities, it's up to the HOA um, to approve or deny that cell tower. That is not something that would come to the town. That would be something that would go to the HOA themselves to approve. Um, so I am in the same camp as the rest of the council. My vote is no. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Councilmember Cavey. Uh, anything added by staff? David, you good? Yeah, the, the HOAs, of course, would have authority to speak about property that they own. They would not have any um, authority that would uh, preempt uh, town land use laws. In does, they don't have any application on this town property at all. Thank no, that. I didn't. I, and Dave, I didn't mean that in terms of this particular application. I was just talking in general. You're talking like Crystal Valley HOA, right? So well, yeah. It, yeah. Then. The, Correct, Councilmember. Yeah, correct, Councilmember. I just want to make it clear that the HOAs wouldn't have any ability to preempt our municipal regulations in regards to zoning. They obviously do speak, for example, in regards to property that they own. And my wife and I live in the Meadows. That Meadows HOA owns a lot of property. Some of the property has been mentioned this evening. Similarly, in Crystal Valley, they probably own quite a bit of property as well. They, they would have the authority, much like this item, as the property owner to decide whether or not it would be appropriate on, on their property. But the fact that a property is within an HOA doesn't mean the HOA gets to decide um, anything about a cell tower um, above and beyond the town's uh, zoning laws. So I just want to make, I, I th and you you understand that. Thank you. Yeah, right. thank you, Dave. No, I appreciate that, uh, Councilmember McCavey, and thanks, Dave, for just making sure that we're all on the same page. Um, I have nothing for, for it, uh, more to add to the, any of the conversation here. Uh, roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. There's a motion to deny, so yes. 
Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Potem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Yes. The motion to deny has passed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, since number 11 now is a moot point, we will move on to number 12 in the agenda. Ordinance 2024-1, ordinance amending chapters 5.06, 5.07, 17.01 of the Castle Rock Municipal Code to prohibit delivery of marijuana and marijuana products within town of Castle Rock. Matt Goal and Chief Colley. Thank you, Mayor, and good evening, Council. Um, tonight, Chief Colley and I are here to discuss amending town code to prohibit delivery of marijuana and marijuana products into Castle Rock. Uh, we do also have Lindsay Jordan from our town attorney's office here to help with legal questions uh, if they arise. So to start with a little bit of background, um, I think everyone knows Colorado voters approved legalized use of medical marijuana back in 2000 and recreational marijuana in 2012. Uh, recently, marijuana delivery has also also been permitted within the Colorado Marijuana uh, Code. Douglas County back in 2012 did prohibit marijuana operations and uh, Castle Rock did that as well in 2010 for medical marijuana and recreational marijuana establishments in 2013. Uh, recently on the delivery front, uh, we have had some entities seeking business licenses from the town. So that's why we're here tonight. Uh, the Colorado Marijuana Code does require min municipalities to opt in for delivery services. So because of that, those deliveries are naturally prohibited. Um, and because of that, we think that's why most municipalities have not taken this additional step. You can see under that third bullet point here, there are a number of front range air entities who have approved marijuana delivery. And we've only found that Colorado Springs and Pueblo have taken specific actions to restrict delivery in their areas. So we are sitting here to recommend approval of this ordinance tonight, um, and we believe that that's consistent with our existing prohibitions within town code. We do also think that approving this prohibition will also continue to reduce the likelihood of improper use, use by underage individuals, and uh, potential criminal activity. So the question here is because the code, uh, the statute naturally prohibits this, why are we wanting to take this extra step. Currently, uh, statute does prohibit delivery, but it does not make it unlawful. Approval of this prohibition would allow Castle Rock police to uh, actually cite those who are delivering these products into town. Um, so that is the reason for the support. I'll turn it over to Chief Colley for additional comments. Yeah, I think Matt covered it very well. I just like to reiterate that we support this ordinance. Um, you know, over the years, council has been very good at giving Castle Rock Police the resources and tools we need to keep our community safe. This is simply one more tool that we can use to continue to keep our community here in Castle Rock safe. So we support it wholeheartedly, and um, we're here to answer any questions you may have. Tim Dietz. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. I, I, I definitely think this is needed. And um, what kind of citation are we looking at? Can we find them $5,000 so they never do it again? I want to set up precedence here. Don't bring their crap to our town. We'll have our attorney come yeah, on up here. Please, please do. Let's make it 
hurt. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. Um, I believe the ordinance is written to have a, it would be a municipal violation. There is a financial fee, a fine that they'd have to pay. But the other thing that we can take it even further is that they would then be reported to the licensing board and they would likely lose that delivery license. So we wouldn't be able to you know, hit them with a hammer for the fine here because um, it would probably be ex considered an excessive penalty, but they would have that municipal charge and then we could report them to the licensing board. So there'd be a process up the line to, yes. as yes. far as violation and, and uh, punishment, basically. Correct. Yeah, okay, thank you. More questions for staff? Max Brooks. Chief, you don't have enough to do already? Yeah, <laughs> I agree that this is probably something that makes a lot of sense, but uh, uh, if you could just speak to how this is enforced and, and how that works with your staff, uh, I'd appreciate it. Sure, well it'd be like any other ordinance that we have. If we are aware that somebody is violating this ordinance and we would take the appropriate action which would be citing them. So that isn't gonna be a, a, a problem for us. I mean, the, the, the pro side of it is that, you know, it, it really is consistent with how we have legislated marijuana, you know, in, in the past and this is just one more piece. You know, as, as uh, the state laws change, we just need to, to change with it so that we have the right tools. You know, one of the things that's really important um, that, that we've seen out there since marijuana became legal is um, the access of marijuana and marijuana products to, that kids have. And that's number one. Number two is that marijuana products of today aren't what they were back 25, 30 years ago. I mean, they're much more uh, uh, potent than they were um, back then. So it, it, it's, a, it's a definitely a public safety issue for the community, but it's certainly a public safety issue for our, our, our youngsters. Any more questions? Tis LaFleur. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> what about a medical card? How does that work? So they would still be able to purchase medical marijuana and bring it themselves. However, this specific ordinance also prohibits the delivery of medical marijuana into of. Castle Rock. So okay. it doesn't prohibit an individual with a medical marijuana card to go outside the jurisdiction and exercise their marijuana medical card rights and then bring it back to their house, right? They'd have to smoke it at, at their house, but it, this would prohibit the delivery into Castle Rock, um, a commercial delivery. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, any more questions for staff? Seeing none, I will open to the public. I have no one signed up to speak. If anyone wishes to speak, please approach the podium and speak in a microphone. Online users may use the raise your hand feature and phone and call to press star three. Please state your name and whether you are a resident, non-resident, or business owner. Come on up, please. Thank you, Town Council. I just want to show my support, voice my support for this ordinance, just as I was against the childhood grooming at the um, fairgrounds once a year. I am, I am against medical, or I am against marijuana in the town of Castle Rock. I want a family-friendly town and county, and this is not family-friendly either. So um, I appreciate you bringing this up. 
just a story, when we moved here in 2008, my sister and I would be able to go downtown Denver and enjoy going out to dinner, walking 16th Street Mall, and enjoying downtown. And it wasn't long, five years or so after we moved here, that we could no longer go down there. We went down there one year, we felt very unsafe, and it just so happened that it was after marijuana was legalized in Denver. So I don't want that to happen here in Castle Rock. I want us to be able to enjoy it as families, and I think this is a great proposal. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else in the public like to speak? Anybody online? We'll bring back the town council for further discussion and a motion. We have a hand. Oh, come on up, please. I didn't see you. Sorry. Good evening, and thank you for allowing me to speak, and thank you for your service. I am not a resident of Castle Rock. I'm in Sister uh, County, uh, or Sister Parker. So I am speaking um, in, in support of this, of this ordinance. Um, I have seen an unfactorable increase in car accidents um, in Parker and Castle Rock and general the Denver metro area. I can't imagine what um, DUIs would arise if this if this were actually allowed in Castle Rock or Parker. Um, right now, there's ordinances against this, and I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that this has been taken into consideration, and not just um, as you know, the DUIs is just a sliver of things to consider. But um, as the gentleman said, our youth. My primary focus and has been um, youth initiatives and youth growth and, and youth um, just excelling. And I, I feel like uh, this, this particular me measure is supportive of that growth and, ex and excel uh, within the community. It, it allows um, for, for naturally and organic occurring activities within youth, not to, you know, to, to be able to find activities outside of uh, marijuana. So I am very grateful that you've considered codifying this. Uh, so I am in support. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else from the audience? Anybody else online? Thank you. Seeing no, we're back to bring back to town council for discussion and further motion. I move to approve the ordinance as introduced by title. Second. First by Max Brooks, a second by Tim Dietz. Any further discussion? Tim Dietz. Just just comment. Yeah, go ahead, comment. Just want to make sure because oh, no, we're good. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking. Times. I just want to say it. Um, in light of all this, the only person this would not probably pertain to is Bill Clinton because he doesn't inhale. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I'd like to thank um, Chief Colley, Matt Gall, and Lindsay, our attorneys, Lindsay and Michael, for working on this. Uh, with that, and Max Brooks. Uh, again, just echo you know, the, the thanks for that, because I understand the moratorium exists at the county level, and other municipalities are not doing this, so I really appreciate the foresight uh, of, of you know, CRPD and, and our staff to be able to look at this to ensure that we're able to then provide the law enforcement behind it so we can just send a very clear message that no, this, so thank you. Thank you. For discussion, roll call vote, please. 
Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Aye. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Moving on to direction 2024-1, discussion direction, pickleball facility summary and their general operation. Jeff Brower. <clears throat> Mayor and Council, thanks for hearing this item tonight. This is uh, in response to Council's request to have some information brought to them in regards to uh, pickleball and uh, the new sport that's kind of uh, going across uh, America. So what is pickleball? For those of you that have stayed inside for the last several years or so, it's a court sport that's played on a it's very similar to a badminton court. It's about 40 by 22. Um, it has a net in it, much like a tennis net, roughly 36 inch, six inches at the, at the ends. Uh, it's played with a perforated ball, much like a wiffle ball. And then you use wooden paddles, composite wooden pad, composite or wooden paddles, which are about twice the size of um, ping pong paddles. Um, it can be played indoors. It can be played outdoors. It's easy for beginners and it develops into a very fast-paced, competitive game. So it's very, um, it's appealing to a lot of generations um, for the sport. So it has, it has a very passionate following and it has gained momentum as a sport and especially here in Castle Rock. So one of the things that we look at, give you a little bit of background on our Parks and Recreation Department and some of our recreational activities, we look at providing highly accessible and well-distributed systems of facilities, open space, and trails. These are essential components of our outstanding services to the community, regardless of age, ability, and to further our healthy lifestyle and our commitment here to Castle Rock. As an industry, as a parks and recreation industry standard, our town parks are delineated into categories by size and recommended and expected uses within those parks. Those classifications are regional parks, community parks, neighborhood parks, and pocket parks. By having these classifications, we really make sure that everybody has access to playgrounds, they have access to athletic fields, to courts, to trails. They have access to amenities like the amphitheater at Philip S. Miller Park or to the Challenge Hill. In general, as the parks increase in size and classification, their uses and their visitors also increase. Butterfield is a community park. It's the second largest park type. And the uses included within that park our off-street parking, athletic fields, sports complexes, lighting, and play features. Those are the kind of amenities that you can expect to find within a community park. That's what we do as part of our plan development planning here in Castle Rock, is we make sure that the right amenities are within the right parks and classifications. We uh, replaced a inline hockey court and a basketball court at Butterfield um, with pickleball courts in 2023 as part of a renovation. 
And uh, it was partly because those uh, courts for those two uses had declined in use and we saw the gain in pickleball. So as indicated, it's the fastest growing sport in the nation, the fifth consecutive year in a row. 48.3 million U.S. adults, or 19% of the population, have played at least one game of pickleball. If you haven't been out there, I invite you to go out there. It's a good game. It's grown exponentially, and so we had to respond, and so our park renovation project addressed that. Um, we have a variety of uh, parks distributed through Castle Rock, and uh, we're going to show you here where, where we have our pickleball courts. So we started back in 2017 with a conversion at Founders. Uh, we put pickleball courts at Deputy Zach S. Parrish III Memorial Park, Cobblestone Ranch, Butterfield, Crossing. Two courts will be available in Emerald Park, one that you approved recently. 27 dedicated courts outside for outdoor rec recreation here in Castle Rock. We have modified some of the tennis courts and painted lines on them so that they can be dual use at Regional, at uh, Rhyolite, uh, Gemstone, and Bison Park. We are aware of one privately owned court on residential property. So if you look at the chart, we go ahead and we show you the location of those 27 fields, the number of courts, whether or not they are lit. And you'll see that Butterfield Court has, the Butterfield Crossing Park has uh, sports lighting on that. Uh, we also have lighting at uh, Rhyolite Regional Park. We've gone ahead and indicate the hours programmed for those particular facilities. The ones that will, um, that are programmed the most are Butterfield Crossing, and then Founders Park and then Deputy Zach S. Parrish. So those are the ones that get programmed the most and those are through our Parks and Recreation Department. We have our contact hours. Most of those go with the hours that are delineated in the park hours. Um, so you will typically see sunrise to sunset. Some of those like Butterfield we've adjusted and we've made it from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. We've also indicated in this chart the distance from the courts to the residential property lines, okay? So the least of those is indeed the Butterfield Crossing Park, which is at 122 feet to the property line. The distance to the residential house in that particular case is 182 feet. At Founders Park, we're looking at 124 feet from distance to the resident property line and 147 to the nearest home. The others range from 274 up to 952 feet. So that kind of shows you a summary of uh, the location, the hours, the distance, and the programming um, at our outdoor pickleball facilities here in Castle Rock. So our first league, 2017, features 75 participants playing Monday through Friday. 2023, we had 1,509 registrations with over 100 people on our wait list. So that program has grown dramatically and much of that is to the leadership of our programmers who've run that, that uh, pickleball. We have had some vandalism out at the pickleball courts on July 5th of 2023. Our nets were cut at the Butterfield Crossing. 
so we know it, it does have the attention of some people and, and uh, um, sometimes in a not positive way. So as pickleball continues to grow, one of the concerns is, is that um, the noise, it's a, it's a new noise, it's different. Um, and since uh, council was the recipient of a petition here from 41 individuals here, um, adjacent to some of our outdoor pickleball courts. Um, so they were uh, registering a noise complaint and identifying that concern to you. Um, so we went ahead and we took a look at, there's a lot of research out there, there's a lot of reaction from a lot of different municipalities. Um, we took a look at what some of them were doing and brought some of that information to you. Um, We've seen that some of our local municipalities have gone ahead and indicate some uh, limiting construction to five to 600 feet from residential uh, housing and limiting hours of play to help reduce that noise and to help um, reduce the noise during sensitive morning hours. So we wanted to go ahead and kind of show you what that looks like with our particular system that we have here in Castle Rock. So what we've done is we've, the facilities that were previously identified, we've shown you what a 500 foot radius looks like uh, in regards to uh, surrounding area. So this is Cobblestone Ranch Park. You can see this is our largest park. It's 168 acres. Um, it, it has plenty of room uh, for that buffer. So it's an appropriately sited facility. It gets great use and uh, we don't get any complaints in this particular location. So this is the radius uh, at Founders Park. Um, this is the one that kind of got us started in, in the renovations and everything. You can see it does overlap the neighborhoods here. Um, our um, complaints at Founders Park, I will characterize as relatively minimal. This is Deputy Zach S. Parrish, the third Memorial Park. This was kind of a, a comprehensive design and working with the neighborhood and uh, you can kind of see that um, we, we overlap the charter school just slightly and then a little bit of the residential including some that is across uh, Low Meadows Boulevard. This is the 500 foot radius at Butterfield Crossing Park. You can see that um, to the east uh, is relatively void of, of housing and to the west we have a, an intersection with some of the residents there along Rock Creek. This is what our 500 foot radius looks like at Rhyolite Regional Park. Um, does indeed go across the uh, uh, Crystal Valley Parkway into the adjacent neighborhood. Um, everything to the north uh, is, does not have residential. And this is what a 500 impact at Gemstone Park looks like. This is our 500 foot radius at Bison Park. You can see there that we uh, overlap with some of the school district property and then we go into uh, some of the homes on Hourglass and then on Starry Night Loop. Let's talk a little bit more about the community concern. Um, we have in our code uh, requirements that our uh, public use of our parks be between 11 
be closed between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. Um, our code says right now that any noise level in excess of 50 decibels adjacent to the property boundary um, is, is against our code. Um, for reference, 50 decibels is a is characterized as a quiet conversation, a quiet office, or a quiet refrigerator. We had our staff. Now, we are not experts in, in noise, and um, we are not acoustical experts, so um, our staff did go ahead, um, recognizing the concerns of the neighborhood, we did go ahead and take decibel ratings at the property lines. Uh, generally, we were in the 40 to 48 decibels at the property line at our nearest, um, at nearest home in adjacent to Butterfield. Um, that's not inconsistent with some of the other studies that we've seen out there, um, but they are there are quite a bit of variation in regards to what people are what readings people are getting in regards to distances. Um, we will note that when our staff went ahead and did the decibel ratings, that um, when we did have cheering going on um, and special activities, that those ranged a little bit higher and ranged all the way from 40 to 58. Um, in regards to that. So those are kind of some of the things that we saw out there adjacent to Butterfield. So we wanted to be proactive on this. We did go ahead and um, we restricted our, our program of play from 8 o'clock till noon. Um, and also we have a, an evening program that goes from 6 till 8 o'clock. Um, we also wanted to uh, mitigate noise concerns, so we adjusted, we made a minor adjustment from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., went from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, since that time, we've also gone ahead and programmed the court lights to turn off at 9 p.m., so reducing it even further. Um, so we have had a, a, a little bit of adjustment there to adjust to the playing time. Our courts are programmed from mid-May through October. And uh, if you see play that happens before 8 a.m. or after 8 p.m., um, it is a drop-by public use. It is not the town's park and recreation department. Um, still a very valid use, but it's, it's, it's not part of our programming. So let's talk a little bit about the engineering aspect of pickleball courts. Um, since this is a popular subject, we took a look at some of the sound attenuation devices that are out there. Um, we took a look at two, one of them that is fairly well known, which is AcoustaBlock. This is using a NASA technology. It's basically a wall uh, with screens on it. And then we took a look at uh, Sports Sonic Guard, which is new technology. Um, this kind of gives you a range of what kind of expenditures the town would be looking at in regards to putting up sound screening adjacent to pickleball courts. And this generally would run along the uh, playing dimension of the court. And we find that the sound on pickleball usually travels with the playing direction as opposed to perpendicular to the courts.
We do note that there are some undesirable side effects um, by those barriers and the noise screens. Um, they do cut off the courts from adjacent shelter or seating areas. In, pickle, in, uh, in the Butterfield area, you will see that a, a social area is designed um, on the west side of those courts. And so that has been particularly pop popular. So that would, would impact that. It does reduce the visibility. It does increase some of the security uh, concerns. It does increase the potential for vandalism and graffiti. Um, you see a note in here in regards to our security cameras. Um, you will note that we've, we have included them in many of our parks. Um, and uh, so that would kind of block that. We would have to reconfigure there. Um, and then uh, because of the uh, opaque nature of these and the height of these walls, um, it would have some kind of an impact on um, snow removal and uh, uh, water drainage. So, so the interesting thing is that we, you know, despite the fact that pickleball has been around for a while, we're actually kind of in a transition period for this sport. Um, due to the rapid popularity, due to the adjacency to residential development, due to citizens' concerns, um, the, the regulating agencies of pickleball um, want to make sure of the survivability of the support, so they have uh, the sport, they have responded, and they are starting to work on the technology in regards to making um, the impact between the ball and the paddle uh, less obtrusive to neighbors. So um, there is a product out there called the OWL technology. Um, we know it's uh, endorsed by several celebrities. We know that it's gaining a lot of momentum. Um, we do think that this is um, the way the sport is going in regards to outdoor pickleball. There will always be those high-end uh, competitive players who will always make sure that they are purists and have the best paddle and the best ball and everything else, but uh, this is one of the ways that the, um, the industry is responding to the concerns um, of neighbors in regards to outdoor pickleball. So earlier I had showed a chart. Um, it, it generally showed that our um, closest were less than 200 feet. Um, we, we, we showed you that our decibel levels was where it about needs to be. And so um, you have asked us to go ahead and kind of recommend a distance. Um, we've indicated here that our parks and recreation staff feels comfortable adopting a, a recommendation that when we have a 200 foot distance from residential property lines as part of our master planning process, that we take that into consideration. Um, it allows us to go ahead and have some flexibility in regards to how we place those and then take a look at soundproofing technology. And um, it allows us to go ahead and, and address changes to the game as it occurs. There are some additional tools here that you have as a council that you can take a look at. Um, there are some communities who have engaged in engineering, sound screening, 
Um, there are, we can continue to further limit hours of play, which we have done so. We've taken an incremental step there. Um, we can continue to evaluate and we can engage the manufacturers of the OWL technology and other manufacturers they come on board. And uh, some, some municipalities have actually posted some of their courts as requiring that technology to be used in that specific location so that when we, when we have a situation where we're 200 feet that we identify that and we post it for our users. And then you always have the, the uh, opportunity to hire a consultant in regards to mitigation solutions. That concludes my presentation for this evening in regards to pickleball, and I stand for any questions for council. I have no one's, I do have some, some people, but I do have some signed up to speak. Is there any questions for staff before we go there? Tim Dietz. Yeah, just one. So the 200 foot rule is just for new builds. 200 feet would cover new builds, yes. Okay. Indeed. So, so the ones that are in place right now, um, the Emerald Parks was under construction, um, and we would continue to work with neighbors. I mean, we've, we've done some things with, with uh, we can do some vegetative work along those areas and, and continue to, to work with our neighbors. Max Brooks? You just had an interest with the uh, Butterfield specifically. Uh, is, is it the current position of staff to, um, to look at potentially using the, requiring the court to use the quiet pickleball technology, the new paddles, first instead of looking at spending that money for sound barriers, look to see what that impact would be, and then potentially look at things that might be uh, done at an expense to the town? Yeah, we've, um, we've indicated at this point in time that we're going to go ahead and add a little bit more vegetative screening, uh, some landscaping in that area between um, the courts themselves and uh, the homes. Um, we know that that will, we anticipate that will be relatively minimal, but a minimal uh, may, may actually help um, on that. And then we do have our staff currently working with the OWL technology and uh, soliciting uh, their participation in our program. And so we're, we're looking to see maybe what kind of a, a sponsorship or business agreement we can work with them uh, to get that technology, especially on in the Butterfield uh, area. So that's where we're at right now. Ryan Hollinshead. Um, what are the hours realistically that people are getting on there in the summertime? We have those long days or people getting out there at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., um, despite the town not doing any programming? We have heard um, that folks are out there um, in the seven o'clock time frame. Um, you may hear from others who, want, who will testify that are adjacent neighbors that may have uh, different times um, that they've heard people out there. Um, but but we know that um, you know that, that seven to eight o'clock range um, is probably not uncommon. Is there a way that we can? kind of reach out to people's better nature and, and advertise a little bit more that people are sleeping in this neighborhood, they can hear you, they can, you know, and try to get more information out there to outside the leagues. I mean, yep, and that's, and that's what we started to do with the 8 o'clock time frame, just kind of move that back a little bit and ask people for a little bit more um, 
hospitality there and, and graciousness and in regards to the neighborhood. So we'll continue to monitor that and see, see how that goes and uh, see whether we can get some voluntary uh, commitment from folks who are playing pickleball. I know the one thing that's really kind of special about the pickleball community um, in regards to the whole noise thing is I think they've been uh, fairly responsive and I think they're a very respectful group and I think that they want the sport to continue and that they know um, that we're going to have to make some changes in regards to, to pickleball. Thank you. Uh, Kevin Bracken. Yeah, Jeff, is, is it the paddling that's creating the problem, or is it the celebration or the combination? Is it, I mean, um, you know, because I think most of them are, by and large, wooden paddles, right? Yeah, they're either wooden paddles or composite paddles, and so what what you have is you have the the impact of the um, hollow wiffle ball with the paddle, and it has a very um, it, it does have a unique noise, as I understand it, um, not always necessarily. Um, exceeding the noise threshold that we have established, but it's a different and unique noise that people are not used to hearing. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's, um, and it's even a noise that's hard to differentiate from the background noise. When you talk to the acoustical experts, it's very difficult for them to go ahead when they look at the decibel rating to differentiate what, what causes that loudness that people are upset by. So it's a new noise. Um, we'll, we'll take a look at it and, and see what we can do. But it is, it is indeed some of the technology of it. So that's what you, yeah, that's, I was going to say, that's what you're referring to, the technology side of it. I mm -hmm. get it. And, and by and large, I mean, it's, it's, it's the success of the, of the folks that are participating, trying to be healthy, trying to participate, be outside, be active, be, you know, healthy and, and, and all that. It, this is just a it's a it's a quagmire that's really it's 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 ridiculous in my mind i i, I just um I, I understand that the folks are impacted by the noise but at the same time to 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 try to squash the the pickleball community is is it, it, it's strange to me but um I, I i get it i get it but uh yeah, maybe maybe there's some technology play or, or some further mitigation that could be done, but um, I just it's just a strange concept to me. Uh, I, I want people to be healthy, be outside, and do all those things. So. It it is interesting that it is probably one of the most appealing sports, multi generational, and and so what you've seen in the program is is um, a, a great diversity of players and and. Uh, you know, you can hear our programmers will tell you that is that um, our age range has expanded, and it's been uh, an incredibly great social experiment, and continues to be so, and it keeps people active and and energized. And um, the one thing that we really like here in Castle Rock is that it keeps everybody connected. Max, you have further questions? Yeah, just one more question. And by the way, squash, uh, you know, it's a different sport. So I mean, that's real old school. <laughs> I don't play that either. Uh, just one more follow-up question. You, you said that you think that the 200-foot, uh, you know, for new build, is probably a, a recommendation that you're comfortable with. Uh, would there be also another uh, uh, foot radius that you look at when you look at lighting the court? Let's say maybe you're not lighting at 200, but you're lighting at you know 250, 300, just because that encourages you know, play that's a little bit later in the evening. I'm just wondering if that's 
part of the equation for you. Yeah, we, we take a look at it. The town has a really robust lighting code, and so we follow that. Um, the other thing that um, the community, uh, if we pay attention to the um, classification of parks, you know, we talked about that earlier. So as you're buying or moving into an area, so you know that um, that community park may be programmed for uh, athletic fields and know that um, as we look at those, those parks, they may evolve over time too, or they may be added to over time. So kind of keep that in mind as an adjacent resident um, to a, a community park or a regional park. So um, we'll, we'll go ahead, we'll, we continue to go ahead and look at the lighting code. And, and uh, my guess is they're probably gonna be fairly consistent with that um, in regards to that 200 foot limit. Um, that'll probably put a pretty good buffer on us. Um, one of the challenges we have, obviously, in Castle Rock is our land dedication code is good, but sometimes we, you know, we need a little bit more space to to address uh, the the athletics and recreational needs of our growing community. So, great comment. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Any more questions? I'll move on to public comment. I have Jim Johnson. Good evening, my name is Jim Johnson. I am a resident of Castle Rock, District 6 in the Plum Creek area. Good evening, Mr. Mayor and distinguished council members. Thanks for your service to our community. The sport of pickleball celebrates 59 years of existence this year. I've seen reports that 36.5 million people play in the United States, 60% being male, 40% being female. Of 124 sports that are tracked, pickleball is the fastest growing sport three years in a row. 14% of all Americans played pickleball within the last 12 months. There are over 10,700 locations across America to play that we know of. The largest bracket is 18 to 34 in age, which makes up 28.8% of all players. When the China virus came to our shores, pickleball exploded across this country and with it, the noise issue of pickleball was birthed because people were no longer going to work, they were staying at home. Up until last year, no one registered a pickleball noise complaint to our community that I'm aware of and since I'm your pickleball coordinator since 2017, I think I would know that. Pickleball has been played at Founders Park for 10 years. And until just recently, I'd not received one noise complaint from homeowners in that area. Parish Park, with homes directly across the street from the pickleball courts, have never complained to our staff of excessive noise that I'm aware of. Parks, after all, are noisy places. Kids are on playground equipment, screaming on the swings, the zip line, the basketball, baseball, tennis, and other sports all emit noises. Even bocce ball has some noise when the balls collide. It is said that over, the overall noise complaint of pickleball comes from less than 1% of the US population. I'm not saying that pickleball does not have some noise associated with it. I play two to three times a week, I have ears. However, I'm not annoyed by the sound, it's part of the game. Like the crack of a bat in baseball or the sound of a dribbled basketball, it's part of the game. 
Noise reduction equipment for pickleball is growing to address the concerns and there may be individual options going forward. At Butterfield Park, as Jeff has said, we have adjusted the time frames of play to address the noise complaints. In the end, I believe there will need, there will need to be some middle ground to establish in, in, a, in, a, in a middle ground established in order to satisfy the issues involved for everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Next I have, I believe it's Cyrus Gattrell. Hi. I've lived uh, next to one of the parks within 200 feet of the current location of some of the pickleball courts almost my entire life. The park has been there since before I was born. I was one of the signers of the petition. The pickleball courts are in constant use, weather permitting. For context, I've played youth sports and founders at their park. I've played pickleball at that park as well. I've once played at the Deputy Zach S. Parrish Memorial Park. I work from home during the day. And I live within the 200-foot radius of one of the parks. Of, well, not just the park, but the pickleball courts. And I don't think it causes excessive disruptions. I think we should install sound dampening mats to help reduce the noise, but I don't think we should close them down or waste money moving them. One, one great thing about the sport is the relatively low cost of barrier to entry with a set of paddles and balls around $25 on Amazon. Those would be the cheaper wooden ones that are noisier. I understand the sentiment of NIMBY, not in my backyard, Honestly, pickleball is less disruptive than youth sports that I've played or suffered through the loud and obnoxious noise that stemmed from other people playing sports. Living as close to the park as I do, you can forget sleeping in on the weekends. And I'm glad the park is being enjoyed. Thank you for your time. Thank you. <clears throat> I have no one else time to speak. If someone wishes to speak, speak please approach the podium. Online users, oh, go ahead. Oh. No, no, no. I, I and I'm a resident. <laughs> Thank you. So I had submitted some comments online, but I also signed up to speak. I didn't see you sign up to speak. I apologize. Come on up. Thank you. So my name is Laurie Gatrell. I am also a resident. Um, of uh, the meadows. My property backs up to the Butterfield Crossing Park at the artificial turf field just north of the pickleball courts. First of all, thank you so much for the beautiful renovations to the park. Secondly, the pickleball courts are an asset to the enjoyment of the new facilities. It's nice to have the park being used for its intended purpose. Pickleball is a healthy activity. The sounds of the court make me feel like I live in a swanky racket club community. <laughs> I enjoy hearing people enjoy the park as it was intended. I much prefer it over the sounds of the kids gunning their engines and spinning donuts in the parking lot behind us, though that still happens. I understand that some of my neighbors, who are a little bit closer, are upset by the same sounds and actually would like the courts removed. However, we all bought, bought property next to a public park and should expect to hear activity there. It used to be basketball, we could hear it. Soccer games and other field games are played Saturday mornings and we hear the cheering, etc. 
And I can tell you they are higher than the 50 decibels. Um, the, that accompanies those games too. We can hear the swim meets from the Butterfield pool. Should we tell all these participants they can't use the facilities because we can hear them? What about the baseball fields across from the pool? I imagine the residents next to those fields can hear those games as well as the pickleball courts too. Should we tell the baseball players that they can no longer use the fields because we can hear them? I don't think so. New information about the sound barriers make me feel like, nah, maybe the plants would be better. <laughs> because I didn't know that the uh, barriers would be hard on the um, fences or cause problems for parking. I didn't know that. So originally I had said they should be put in, but now I don't know. Anyway, I do think that the pickleball courts should stay where they are. They're fine. They don't. I mean, I can hear it through my closed windows, but it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> anyway, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I don't believe I have anybody signed up um, online or in person, but if someone on, in line or in person would like to speak, please do so. Yes, sir? I didn't sign up, can I speak? Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Scott Hartman. I'm a, a resident of the Meadows since 2015. We back up to Aspen View Academy and the whole uh, um, Zach Parish Park. Um, I'm also the supervisor on Wednesday nights uh, at Butterfield. Um, just a quick comment. I think the um, Castle Rock Parks and Rec City offering for pickleball and parks is uh, you know, superior. Uh, I've got lots of family and uh, lives out of state, and uh, them finding a park in uh, Pickleball Park in Chicago. Uh, I, I'm I'm not aware of one, at least on the north side. Uh, they have to go up to Wilmette, Winnetka, to find a park. And I said we've got 26, 27 outdoor parks, and we're very much blessed. So uh, compliments to all of you and Jeff and his team and uh, you guys. Um, regarding. Um, Butterfield. Um, obviously, again, I, I worked there all summer. Um, the resident that lives directly behind our pavilion, which is, um, I don't know what direction that would be, but uh, uh, to, if you're looking at the pickleball courts and the pavilion on the right, he was directly behind. Uh, nice guy, Matt. He was routinely out there. Uh, I, I was aware during the summer that the issue coming up about sound, and I thought lighting, uh, asked him about it, and he said, I don't see and hear a thing. But uh, he has large trees, he said, that blocks everything. He did acknowledge, he said, I've got some neighbors that are upset. Uh, so I'm hopeful that the suggestion that uh, Jeff made regarding landscaping uh, may mitigate some or most of, of the issue. Um, and I would also, uh, rec I'm an avid uh, Wall Street Journal reader, uh, number one amenity for destination resorts in the world is pickleball. If you don't have pickleball, we aren't coming on our vacation. Uh, so it's, a, again, a wonderful sport. Uh, like Mr. Bracken, I'm a, a sports alumni of Illinois State. Um, anything with the ball, I play. Um, and this game, as, um, in fact, my wife and I, were, we're sort of guilty that we don't feel closer to our church, um, St. Francis, from a social circle standpoint, it's become pickleball. Uh, we've gone on two cruises with pickleball folks, and uh, again, uh, all ages. Um, I don't go to I don't go to Parish Park on a Saturday. It's too busy. 
Um, I mean, it is jammed with people waiting half hour, 40 minutes to get on the courts. So uh, again, great job. Keep up the good work. Uh, we need more indoor facilities, Jeff. Okay, I know you're working on that. Okay, and thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you. Yep. And no one else signed up to speak, and then we wish to speak either in person or online. Seeing none, we don't have a mo we don't have a motion uh, per se. Bring back to town council. I guess I would like to first recommend that we still look for avenues of accommodating both our residents and the pickleball enthusiasts. Um, try to do so with with without uh, as as little as disruption as possible. Maybe come back to us with future to 200 foot. Uh, um, suggestion and maybe as we can figure out mitigation, you mentioned uh, trees and scrub, scrub uh, some brush and that kind of stuff for soil mit sound mitigation, um, as well as um, the owl paddles, that kind of thing. I think as long as we're still working towards a uh, an agreement, a sort of a, a handshake deal with our community as well as the pickleball enthusiasts, I think that that's something we should work towards. I'd rather not work towards like um, hard, fast rules. I do like the idea of. Um, as Councilman Holland said, is like, you know, and summer maybe we could um, keep on with the implementation at certain uh, courts to do the 8 a.m. Um, to 9 or whatever it is. Um, but I, I think this should be, for now, we left into parks and recs hands, and then perhaps if we need to, we can take more aggressive uh, means as a council. Uh, we're not doing a, a vote, but uh, Max Brooks. I just really appreciate staff's work on this. Thank you uh, for that. Thank you. Uh, am I done? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so thank you for this because, it, look, I don't know that I have heard nor do I think for a second that the council appetite would be to remove courts. I don't know that that's ever been a discussion. So, so don't don't worry about about that. Um, I think that the that the intent was just this: to be able to have a conversation and show that we're trying to make sure that that you know, for new construction uh, that we're able to to ensure that it's it's meshing with the with the neighborhood. It's funny. Baseball came up uh, several times tonight, and I'm thinking, gosh, I don't know how many times I've actually been at Paintbrush, and probably it was one of the loudest people out there when I was coaching youth youth baseball. Um, and how many times a baseball went through a windshield or fouls straight back and goes through somebody's window? Um, not not at not there, but at other places that I've that I've coached. Um, so as far as an impact, I get it. You know, there there's going to be impact with every sport. Um, but I think continuing these discussions as we grow as a community and as the popularity of pickleball grows, uh, it's just very important to have. So thank you for the for the work. I agree, and it's we want a busy town. We want busy athletics. We want our youth, our teens, our seniors out and about doing great things in our community and staying healthy. Um, and if we can do so with with collaboration with all of our sports, that'd be great. So I think that is that kind of your marching orders. You okay, Jeff? Yes, I am. Okay, thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on to number 14 on resolution 2024, number nine, resolution approving equipment and service agreement with Logical Systems Inc. for the Castle Rock Water fact, um, Factory View Screen Development Project. Mark Marlowe. Well, good evening, Mayor and Council. We go from pickleball to something way more exciting, supervisory control and data acquisition systems. I know that's very exciting for everyone. So I'm sure everyone's going to stick around. And uh, Jim, where are you going? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, the, one of my main reasons for wanting to present this item tonight is I wanted to bring Council up to date on this item. 
Council did approve a SCADA master plan in 2019, and this is a significant investment in the future of Castle Rock water. At the time in 2019, the estimated costs were around $12 million um, for all these systems. And these are a set of projects. So this isn't just one project that council approved. These are multiple projects that will continue to come to council for the next several years to spend that money and bring our control systems up to standards that we um, want to have them at for the future, especially with respect to the fact that all of our plants are run by these complicated systems, these control systems. We also need to ensure that people cannot hack into our systems and cause us issues. You guys are all aware of the cybersecurity concerns with critical resources. I did want to note to you guys that we have updated the costs. Um, we're about four or five years into this. We've updated the costs and the schedule. We were originally hoping to complete all this work in seven years. It's now looking like it's gonna be longer, probably eight or nine years before we're done with all this work. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. One being supply chain issues we've encountered early on. Um, second is we have to do a lot of these projects in a sequenced fashion and we can only work from late fall through early spring because we need all of our treatment facilities online over the rest of the year and the season. So we have a limited construction window. We are looking at a significant increase in costs. We believe now that the total cost of this project is going to be on the order of 15.2 to $3 million. Um, and we're looking at 2027 probably before we're complete with all the projects. So where are we today? We're about $5.1 million into this. Um, in terms of projects that have been approved, been completed, and are currently ongoing with the biggest one ongoing right now is getting our founders water treatment plant done. And that is coming along, it'll be done here very shortly in, in March. April timeframe. And then, of course, we'll be bringing additional projects for the Miller Water Treatment Plant and the Meadows Water Treatment Plant probably later this year. Um, so we're moving along. The item that I'm talking about tonight, however, uh, is an item that we were originally doing as a part of each of the individual projects for the various treatment facilities, pump stations, and other things. What we found during the Founders Project, however, is that we had a lot of communications issues with all kinds of our facilities as a result of waiting to do what we call our screen development work during each individual project. Um, I can't really tell you all the reasons that we've had those issues, but we've changed our strategy and what we now want to do is get all of this screen development work done on the front end. And that's what this project is really about tonight, is getting all that work done. We're converting from a Bristol Babcock Iconic system to an Allen Bradley system. Those two systems have to be able to talk in the interim as we're converting, because we obviously have to keep running we can't just shut everything down and spend years changing over to the new systems. So with this project, what they will really do is they will go into all of our remaining facilities. They will do the screen development to, for the Allen Bradley systems. And then they will install something called a red lion. I don't know who comes up with these names, but this red lion item will allow 
the Allen Bradley system to continue to talk to the old system in the interim as we do all of this other work that we have to do. When we're done with all the other work, the red lines will be removed and we'll now be in an Allen Bradley system. So we did go out, we got proposals for this work from qualified uh, contractors. Logical systems came in low. You can see the numbers here. We're recommending a 10% contingency for this because there are a lot of unknowns with this kind of work. Um, we do have budget for this. This is a high priority. We want to get this done by April because, again, we have to have all this work done before we bring all the plants on for the irrigation season. And once we get this work done, it's going to streamline the rest of the projects that we need to do as a part of the overall SCADA master plan. Now, ironically, it's already been almost five years since we did the SCADA master plan in 2019. So we will also be bringing back a revised SCADA master plan to make sure that we're continuing to move this whole system forward and not falling behind in any areas going forward. Uh, we did not get a chance to take this to Castle Rock Water Commission. I have shared this with Castle Rock Water Commission, and I didn't have any questions from anybody. Um, but from a timing standpoint, we really need to get this in front of council. So happy to answer any questions. Any and questions? I can see this is a any very enthralling and exciting <laughs> item. <laughs> Tim Dietz. Just because they're the least expensive, do you still like them? We do. We okay. do. We do. We like, we, they've done work for us before, and they're one of the. There's only a limited number of con contractors that can do this kind of work, and they're one of the ones that we actually use as an on call contractor for emergencies as well. Okay. Any further questions from Mark or staff? Seeing none, I have no one to speak. If someone wishes to speak, please approach the podium. I'm speaking with the microphone. Online users may use the raise your hand feature and phone in callers and press star three and state your name and resident or non-resident or business owner. You have four minutes to speak. Seeing none, we'll bring it back to town council for a proposed motion or possible proposed motion and discussion. I move to approve the resolution 2024-009 as introduced by title. Second. I have a first by uh, Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. A second, I think was Tim Dietz. Tim Deese was a second. Any further discussion? I just want to say that people who don't know, Alan Brad Bradley's the best out there. I mean, you know, the way that he just, the way that, that company just works with Redline is amazing, you know. And uh, I really appreciate their work. You mean the place you are. eat? <laughs> Roll call vote, please. Make me thirsty, Mayor. <laughs> Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember KV. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. And Mayor Gray. Aye. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Thanks for everybody for all your hard work today. And now it's 813. I'll accept the motion to adjourn the meeting. Second. Uh, first by uh, Kevin Bracken, second by Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember KV. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Sure. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Aye. Motion passed unanimously. Thank you very much. Thanks for everybody's hard work. Thanks for everyone's input. We are adjourned. Enjoy yourselves. You pause on Hawaii and barbecue.